All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. Today, I am giving you my rapid reaction to the Falcons' 38-14 win over the Washington Redskins in Week 9 of the 2018 NFL regular season. You are locked on Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years at FalkFans.com, on Twitter at FalkFans, and, of course, the host of this illustrious Locked on Falcons podcast. Today, I'm giving you my rapid reaction recorded within a couple of hours after Sunday's win in Week 9 of the Falcons, their most impressive win of the season over the Washington Redskins. So you're going to get my initial thoughts on this game And as we do most weeks, and the last couple of weeks have been a little bit different because of the bye weeks and such and other scheduling issues. But as we do most weeks, we'll continue to talk about this game later in the week. And we'll start to pivot uh, towards the middle of the week, towards the Cleveland Browns game on Wednesday with our crossover episode. And so those are the things that you can sort of look forward to today. But let's, without any further ado, let's get into today's game and some of the highlights. And, you know, my big takeaway from this game was it was kind of the opposite of that Steelers game from earlier in the season. And one of the things we talked about back in after that week five game where the Falcons got blown out by the Steelers was the old joke that I've used a number of times over the years. And I'm sure you guys have used over over the years, which is if you're slumping, just play the Falcons and you'll break out of that slump. And we saw that in that Steelers game in particular, where there were several areas where the Steelers were struggling with, and they came alive against the Falcons that week. And I think sort of the opposite is true for this game against the Redskins, because there were several areas where the Redskins were really strong in, but the Falcons were able to sort of assert their will in those areas. There were several areas where the Falcons were really slumping in throughout the season, and those areas played well. Uh, today. First and foremost, it was they got off to the fast start that they needed. We saw in those two previous road games against Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, they got off to slow starts. And I posted some stats on Twitter uh, on, on Saturday that sort of talked about how the Falcons typically win road games where they start fast and lose ones where they start slow. And the Cliff Notes version of those stats that I posted on Twitter, if you missed them, is that the vast majority of their road wins, the Falcons have had under Dan Quinn, they scored seven or more points in the first quarter and hold a halftime lead. And the vast majority of their losses under Dan Quinn, they've been blanked in the first quarter and are down at halftime. And when I say vast majority, I mean like 70 to 90% of the time. So basically under this current regime, 70 to 90% of the time, at least when it comes to road games, you can basically tell after one quarter whether or not the Falcons are going to win the game. And that sort of was true today, where the Falcons came out really strong, uh, got an early defensive stop on the opening series, got seven points on their opening drive, then moved the ball down the field very well in the second offensive series, but it resulted in an interception. Um, But it was certainly a game where the Falcons got off to the fast start that they needed to have in order to get this Redskins team playing on their heels and playing a sort of left-handed version of what they like to do, which is, you know, to run the football, play good defense, and forcing them to have to throw the football in this game. Um, You know, the second thing that the Falcons did really well was they were able to run the ball well, and they were able to stop the run. Tevin Coleman and Ito Smith combined for a rushing success rate of 52%, I believe, on a combined, like, 
19 carries or 20 carries or something like that. I should actually look that up. 23 carries. There you go. Um, yeah, combined 52 rushing success rate of uh, 52% on 23 combined carries. And if you regularly listen to this podcast, you know that I prefer success rate over yards per carry as a measure of rushing efficiency because it factors down in distance and it isn't really skewed heavily like yards per carry is by long runs. But, you know, if you want to look at yards per carry, 6.4 yards per carry combined between those two guys on 23 carries is certainly, without a doubt, impressive. The Redskins' rushing success rate was 50% on 14 combined carries from their running backs. Um, That was somewhat boosted a little bit by some late-game runs by Capri Bibbs and Samaj P. Ryan when the game was sort of out of, um, not necessarily competitive. Uh, You know, the main thing you want to take away from the positive in terms of the Falcons' run defense is that Adrian Peterson on his nine rushing attempts was uh, held to a success rate of 33%. And as a reminder, for those of you guys that aren't familiar with success rate and haven't heard me talk about it a ton on this podcast over the last several years, uh, what you I, what is ideal in terms of success rate is over 50%, but anything above 45% is good. Uh, anything in that sort of high 38, high 30s, Low 40s to 45% is acceptable to solid, um, and anything below like 38% is subpar. So certainly Peterson's 33% is a, a big check mark for the Falcons' defense. Uh, I thought Ola Kuhn, I thought Riley did some impressive things. We'll see what the tape sort of says. I thought there were a couple of runs where the Falcons were able to bottle up Peterson in large part due to the defensive line getting penetration, and that was something that we mentioned two weeks ago on this podcast coming off the heels of that Giants game as being a big part of the equation of how the Falcons were able to slow down Saquon Barkley in that Monday night matchup back in week seven. Now, of course, we got more to come on this uh, podcast talking about sort of the standout performances from both sides of the ball with the offense and defense, but I do want to plug the Locked On podcast network with the NBA side of things where you can find a locked on podcast devoted to all 30 NBA teams, wherever you get your locked on podcasts, including locked on Hawks with my good friend and host Brad Roland, your NBA team every day. Now you guys know, if you listen to this podcast, I have a lot of answers, but I don't have the answers to everything, including who's going to win each and every week. I picked the Redskins to win this game. So you clearly know I get those things wrong. But if you're one of those people that knew the Falcons would come through, then you got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. And that's why I always tell people to go to my bookie because trust me, they're the best bet you'll make this entire year. They've been in business for years. They have great reviews online. Their mobile site is very easy to use. There's in-game live betting over and under on fantasy points scored in the most rewarding player perks in the biz. My bookie has been slammed with new bettors and wants to help you out by giving you a $25 free play if you deposit $100 or more after 7 p.m. Eastern. Use the promo code LOCKEDON25 to activate that offer. Visit MyBookie today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget that promo code LOCKEDON25 to get an extra $25 after you deposit after 7 p.m. You play, you win, you get paid. Okay, so let's talk about the defense. You know, we don't get too many opportunities, certainly not this season, to heap praise upon the defense, but we're going to do that on today's podcast. I thought um, this has now been back-to-back games where the Falcons' defense has looked really good. Uh, Today against the Redskins, two weeks ago against the Giants before the bye week. 
And so you might be able to say that maybe this Falcons defense is starting to uh, come together. I know if you guys have been listening to the podcast since 2016, you get that joke. If you, you're relatively new to the podcast and you're just like, okay, yeah, what does that mean? But uh, that's, you know, inside joke between the longtime listeners and what and myself. Um, but, uh, you know, I think part of it was we attributed a lot of their success on Monday night against the Giants due to the Giants offense being really bad. Um, and, you know, there were some positives from that game, certainly from the defense, you know, their ability to take advantage of a bad Giants offensive line, also to keep Saquon Barkley in check. And I think you saw similar things continue today. Obviously, I, I mentioned sort of Adrian Peterson being shut down in this game. Uh, obviously, the Redskins were dealing with some issues on their offensive line. For those of you that didn't watch the game, they were already going into the game, missing their best offensive lineman in left tackle, Trent Williams. Uh, Ty Inseki is their swing tackle. He stepped in. He has stepped in a number of times over the years for Williams and Morgan Morris is arguably one of the best, if not the best swing tackle in the NFL. So it was not to say that he's going to be able to fill Trent Williams shoes who, when Trent Williams is on his a game is probably the best left tackle in the, in the game. Um, but Inseki is, you know, it's certainly not the same thing. Ty Inseki is not the same thing as Ty Sambrello, I would say, when he's replacing uh, Trent Williams out there. But they, you know, the biggest weakness, so really going in the game was Sean Loival, their left guard. And then he got hurt on the third play of the game when Grady Jarrett over, you know, bullied him and bull rushed him for a sack. And, and you know, he might be out for the season, injured his knee, it looked like, on that play and, and sort of was, you know, left the game and wheelchaired back into the locker room. Um and, you know, then they put in Tony Bergstrom, who's a longtime veteran, but has never really been a good player. Uh, Morgan Morris went down briefly in the first half and was briefly replaced by their rookie, Jerron Christian, who struggled in the preseason as sort of this raw athlete, basically a Matt Gano type. Uh, Moses did come back, uh, but then Brandon Scherf got hurt, uh, their right guard. And so they wound up shuffling Christian the left tackle, put Inseki at left guard, Bergstrom went over the right guard. Inseki, I think, injured his wrist, might have even broke his wrist on like the final series and had to play through it. Um, so, you know, you know, just as a side note from Falcons issues, one of the big issues the Redskins suffered with last year was a lot of injuries to the offensive line. And it's sort of, you know, when healthy, they are one of probably the five best offensive lines in the business, at least as far as talent goes. Uh, due to guys like Williams and Scherf and Moses. Um, but, uh, you know, it looks like they're about to hit that same issue again in 2018 after basically making it through 2017 and thinking, oh, it's never going to be that bad. Um, so, you know, you can certainly argue, to bring it back to this game, you can certainly argue that similar to the Giants game, you can put in a, a quote-unquote asterisk on this game, given how well the Falcons' defensive line played, given that they were facing an injury-depleted Redskins offensive line. I certainly wouldn't fault anybody that wanted to do that. But, look, here's the thing. Uh, I've said this many years ago when Vic Beasley destroyed Sam Brelo. Good players are supposed to dominate bad players. And while I wouldn't necessarily say that the Falcons' pass rush was overwhelming in this game, they certainly made their presence known from time to time. I wouldn't call it domination. But they were able to create enough pressure on several plays where they were able to flush Alex Smith out of the pocket. He managed to turn one of those into a 22-yard scramble, which was like the explosive play that they had on that lone touchdown drive in the first half. Um, but Smith, even though he's arguably one of the five most athletic starting quarterbacks in the league, is not necessarily a quarterback that's known for thriving in terms of his ability 
to to win off structure. He's just a guy that you know typically he gets that knock for being too much of a game manager and, and likes to check down and the easy throws and whatnot. And so if you can get pressure on him, you can disrupt his ability. And we saw that on several plays where he was sort of flush out the side the pocket and forced to throw the ball away and all those sorts of things. So the Falcons pass which was able to make enough plays. I wouldn't again I wouldn't necessarily be like, oh man they they tore the Redskins offensive line a new one. But um, it's one of those things where I'm not necessarily expecting this pass rush to dominate, but when you do have these favorable matchups like we saw today, like we saw two weeks ago, uh, you want to see our guys win those consistently, and I think they did that for the most part. We'll see what they can do against Cleveland. Hopefully that continues. They'll face some favorable matchups against the Cleveland offensive tackles with a, a rookie in Desmond Harrison at left tackle and, and Chris Hubbard at right tackle. So I want to see Tack and Vic go to work against the, the those two guys next week as well. So I think that's something that we can point to as a positive for this defense uh, in addition to their ability to stop the run. I thought they kept Jordan Reed mostly in check in this game. Vernon Davis was productive, had came alive in the second half of the game. I think Reed might have been dealing with an injury as well. Uh, it seemed like late in the game he, he, he was seen few and far between late in the game, and then there was a play, a catch where he had where he seemed like he was limping, a little gimpy coming out. Maurice Harris, who sort of replaced Jamison Crowder as a Redskins slot receiver, did have 10 catches, had a 100-yard receiving day. I'll have to sort of see, go back and watch the tape to see specifically who he was beating because it didn't seem watching it live like there was a specific player that he was beating over and over. I remember there was a play or two where he beat Brian Poole. I remember there was a play or two where he beat a linebacker or a safety or whatever. But it seemed like at least trying to, I can't remember specifics of why he sort of had a monster game, but it seemed like maybe he was taking advantage of the fact that the Falcons were playing so much zone um, in this game and, and finding those sort of soft spots in there. So that'll be something I do want to pay attention um, upon rewatch. I thought Isaiah Oliver had an impressive started an impressive starting debut. Casey got another interception, uh, you know, once again being in the right place at the right time this time. He got it off a deflection by Bleedy Ray Wilson. The ball was a little bit underthrown by Alex Smith to Vernon Davis down the sideline. Bleedy Ray was able to break it up without really turning and locating the ball. Uh, and Casey was right there, you know, coming over the top to probably deliver a hit, but the ball just landed in his laps and he did it, made a nice sideline grab, you know, dragging the feet and whatnot to uh, stay in bounds and, and get the possession. And that sort of stymied the, the Redskins on that drive. And I think the Falcons were able to capitalize on that and turn that into seven points thereafter. Let me, that's something else I, I should probably check as well. Yeah, they, that was their sort of final touchdown uh, to end the game. And, you know, they I think they pretty much already had wrapped up the game by that point, but uh, certainly, you know, add insult to injury and whatnot. Um, you know, I'm not going to necessarily be like, oh, man, this defense is good now because they've had two good games. Um, but it's nice to certain, certainly see certain areas of the Falcons roster tighten up, the run defense, the defensive line, the pass rush coming alive, not having these massive issues in coverage, not having the, the glaring mental errors and the breakdowns in zone like we saw earlier in the season. I'm sure when I watch the tape, I'll see some breakdowns. I'll see some guys getting beat. But that, you know, one of the things I constantly say on this podcast is defensive players get beat from time to time. You wouldn't have offenses scoring as many points at this rate in the NFL if, if defenses weren't losing more matchups than winning necessarily. Um but I think, you know, right now with this 14-point effort put up by the Redskins, it means for the first time since week three that this Falcons defense is giving up an average of less than 30 points per game. 
And prior to this game, they were on pace to be one of the eight worst defenses of all time in terms of points allowed in the season. And now they're on pace to only be, you know, and I use air quotes when I say only, be one of the 40 worst defenses of all time. So if they continue this pace for the rest of the season. So, you know, if they can average less, I think if they put up an average, like 23.8, so a little bit less than 24 points for the remaining eight games, they will finish slightly better than that 2014 defense uh, in terms of points allowed. So that, I think, is an achievable goal. That is the goal. That's the benchmark where we're, we're, we're basically, at least for me, uh, looking forward. Just don't be worse than that 2014 team, which, by the way, wasn't the worst Falcons defense, at least in terms of points allowed of all time, but um, certainly isn't up there towards the upper end of it. That 2013 team actually put up, gave up a lot more points. Uh, people don't remember that. But um, So that's basically what I want to say about the defense. Positives all around. Not ready to crown them yet, but certainly things are starting to come together. So we got more to talk about on the show, but I do want to plug the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast as well as the Draft Dudes Podcast, two draft-related podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find those guys, John Ledger, who we recently had on the show, Trevor Sikama on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, as well as Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino on the Draft Dude Podcast. You can find those wherever you get your Locked On podcast, as well as the draftnetwork.com. Get you guys geared up for that 2019 draft, your team every day. So let's talk about the Falcons offense. And, um, you know, the main thing that I will say is the Falcons were really efficient on third down. That's really stood out in this game. They were eight for eight converting third downs in the first half. The Redskins didn't first force their first punt until about six minutes left in the third quarter on the Falcons' sixth offensive possession. Uh, the Falcons wind up finishing the game 10 of 13 on third downs, converting 77%. The Redskins came into this game ranked ninth in the NFL in terms of third down defense, allowing just 37%. So that, again, that's another area where the Falcons were able to assert their will on the opponent rather than vice versa. Um, Julio got his first touchdown of the season on an excellent individual effort to power through a tackle by the recently acquired HaHa Clinton Dix. They flashed a graphic on during this game where Julio was second most, uh, you know, had the second most catches without a touchdown since 2008 with like 89. I think the leader was Devon Best at 98, if I recall correctly. So I'm glad Julio didn't set, re, you know, reset that record uh, after today. Um, in addition to that, I think standout performances from Calvin Ridley, Tevin Coleman, Ido Smith, Mohamed Sanu, Austin Hooper all made big plays. We saw this team. We've said it a number of times. You guys know it. When this team is able to spread the ball around effectively to all their playmakers, they're really hard offense to stop, even for a a pretty good defense like the Redskins. Uh, Another great day for Matt Ryan. And, uh, you know, we had one of the questions this season that we've raised multiple times now as of late on this podcast is whether or not this sort of weird, quirky stat where uh, we see Matt Ryan put up these ridiculous numbers when Devontae Freeman is out of the lineup, continues this year against better quality defenses. And Washington, while, you know, didn't look the part today, is one of the better defenses in the league, at least statistically going into this game. And Ryan continued that trend, posting a 121.6 passer rating, throwing for 350 yards, four touchdowns. You know, he's got some tough games coming up, and we'll see if this trend continues. You know, Next week, Cleveland 
Currently ranks third in defensive DBOA this season. Baltimore later in the season, Arizona, Dallas. Those teams are sixth, ninth, and 11th respectively in defensive DBOA. Uh, at Football Outsiders, I think Washington was 13th or 14th going into this game. So um, there, there will be some tough tests, and we'll sort of see if that trend continues, and we'll see if a Devontae Freeman-less passing game is better for Matt Ryan or whatever. Um, the other thing I'll say about the offensive line or the offense is the offensive line. I thought it's played well. Uh, Matt Ryan was only hit four times and sacked twice today. I thought that was way better than I thought it was going to be. I thought that number would be like hit eight to 10 times and sacked four or five times by this Redskins pass rush. And I think that's a big part of the reason why I did not expect the Falcons to win this game. And I think it's a big reason why the Falcons were able to win this game. When we talked about this, you know, this is really the second game, um, other than that Carolina game, where we can successfully say that the Falcons really did an excellent job controlling the line of scrimmage in this game. And that's, you know, that's been something we've been harping on quite a bit on this podcast so far this season, is that when the Falcons don't get destroyed on the line of scrimmage, uh, they can, they're can they a really hard team to beat. Um, I thought Ben Garland played well in his starting debut this season. I'll be curious to go back and watch the tape and, and watch him specifically, whether or not his presence really gave a sh- this offensive line a shot in the arm, or was it just overall these guys were playing a lot better? I thought you saw some standout blocks from Jake Matthews, Wes Schweitzer. I'm sure Alex Mack was also blocking his tail off as well. Ryan Schrader did not struggle nearly to the degree in this game as we've seen him throughout this season. Um, you know, I look at the box score and I know a lot of the Falcons' rushing success came running to the left side, so I don't necessarily know if that's due to Garland or what, but maybe he was doing a good job climbing to that second level and cutting off that backside pursuit, and that's one of the areas we talked about uh, two weeks ago, uh, that he's much better than Fusco is in terms of getting to those second level and taking out those linebackers. So, again, that's one of the things I'll be keying on when I watch the All-22 later this week. Um, the only negative you can say about the offense, I think it's things got a little bit hairy there at the end of the third quarter where the Falcons' offense sputtered on two consecutive drives. The Redskins, in between them, the Redskins scored to sort of cut the lead to 14 and close out the third quarter. And you were like, oh, typical Falcons where they get up big. And, you know, all three of their wins this season have been games where they got up early and then sort of blew a lead late in the game and, and sort of either due to the offense or the defense or luck, if, you, if you're counting that Tampa Bay game, uh, where they sort of, find a way to, to close it out and win it. And so it seemed like, oh, here we go again, typical Falcons. Um, but the defense stepped up on that ensuing Redskins drive and, and made some plays to get some stops to start the fourth quarter. And then the Falcons offense went on a very time-consuming nearly, I think it was six minutes and 45 seconds, uh, to get a, a field goal that sort of basically sealed the game at that point to push their lead to 31-14. So, you know, overall, I would say I'm, my hope is that we'll see this type of performance consistently moving forward for the Falcons on both sides of the ball. You know, I don't expect this defense to play, you know, this well every single week. Um, But, you know, I think, you know, more games like this where you see more good than bad, I think is what I want to see. And obviously if the offense can do this against one of the better defenses and defense and fronts in the league, especially on the road, then, you know, that continues for the majority of the remaining eight games. And this Falcon team is definitely going to be a team to keep an eye on. You know, I'm not one of those people that's going to get too far ahead of myself. As I always say, uh, you know, things are never as good as you think they are, nor are they ever as bad as you think they are. But, you know, we're going to take this thing one week at a time. 
Um, and for all we know, they'll, they'll lay an egg against Cleveland next week. But I hope that they can keep this momentum going into next week, and then they'll get Deion Jones back against Dallas. It seems like he's on schedule to return for that Week 11 game against Dallas. And one hopes that once Deion Jones is back in the lineup, they can start the defense, can more consistently tread water that we've seen them do over the last couple of weeks and, and maybe actually swim a couple of laps to continue that metaphor. And if the offense can continue the role as they have done uh, for the most part this season and in, in sort of getting that road game monkey off their back today against a, one of the better offenses, you know, this team has a lot of potential. And again, we'll still take it week to week. I'm not necessarily, you know, I, I laugh a little bit when other people around the league are looking at teams and penciling certain teams into the Super Bowl, you know, mid at the midpoint in the season. I, that's a tendency that team people do all the time. There's still a lot of football left to be played. Um, but one of the positives that you like about this Falcon team is that they have been consistently one of the better second-half teams under Dan Quinn these last couple of years. Uh, through Since 2015, they've won 56% of their regular season games from week nine through week 17, which is the ninth best win percentage in the league. So I think, you know, that's a testament to this coaching staff sort of staying true to what they do. Um, and, you know, some of that early season panic and some of that early season criticism that I think people were throwing at Dan Quinn and, and sort of the complacency and all those sorts of things, at least for at least one more week, I think that tends to quiet down a little bit. And as long as the team continues to win, you know, those takes are going to be looking pretty silly in a, in a couple of weeks. So hopefully that this trend continues. And if it does, then uh, we'll keep talking about it. Um, it's not, you know, it's nice to see, to have a, a convincing win for the, for really the first time in a long time. I mean, like, do we have to go back to like that Tampa Bay game? Like late, late I mean, I guess there were probably a couple other ones sprinkled in, in December last year, but um, you know, to basically not have the Falcons, you know, do what they normally do where, oh, they're up 20, 28 to 14 and it's 28 to 20, 20 you know, 28, 21. And then it's, you know, 28 to 24. And then, you know, it's like, oh my God, Falcons, stop doing this, you know, but it was nice to see them sort of, you know, they got a little hairy there, but they, they were able to put their foot on the throat of the Redskins a little bit um, and get a nice convincing win, uh, you know. I don't know how many more of these we're going to get this season, so I will definitely enjoy this one, and I hope you guys too do too. The plan is to come back and talk more about this game tomorrow. Uh, just need to get that guest um, confirmed. I've reached out to some folks, and we'll see uh, what happens. But um, in the meantime, if you guys want to provide your feedback to me, uh, you can, of course, do so on Twitter. I'm at Falcfans. The podcast is Locked On Falcons. That's it. The show's Twitter handle. So if it's podcast related, just go ahead and send it to that handle. Uh, you can also check me out on Facebook. Locked On Falcons is the name of the page there. Email address is lockedonfalcons at mail.com. And of course, you can leave a comment at falcfans.com where the podcast is posted daily. So enjoy the win, guys. And until then, you are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.